Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. It just wouldn't be a college football game without the cheerleaders. While the crowd can and does cheer on its own, it does take the crew of cheerleaders, both women and men, to coordinate the cheers and help their team move the ball or stomp the ball, depending on what is needed during the game. If you are a fan of English football, you will hear the crowd singing songs and cheering in unison without cheerleaders on the edge of the field leading them on. Still, some of those songs have been sung for years, while others are coordinated at the supporters' pub before the game to recognize a new player or to mock an opposing player. Now, the first cheer in college football can be traced to Princeton University in 1884 when the crowd shouted, Hip, hip, rah, 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 tiger, 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 sis, sis, sis. Boom, 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 ah, Princeton, Princeton, Princeton. Pretty riveting stuff there. The first cheerleader was University of Minnesota student Johnny Campbell in 1898, who left his seat, jumped the fence, and from the side of the field led the student section in a cheer that borrowed heavily from the Princeton cheer. Ra, 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 sky you ma, hoorah, hoorah, varsity, varsity, Minnesota. His actions may have affected the play of the Minnesota team as his team went on to beat Princeton University. They had their own cheer. They just didn't have a Johnny Campbell to unite the student section in cheers. Other students joined Campbell on the sidelines, starting what would be known as yell leaders. Other universities, seeing the value in having a cheering squad, would have their own yell leaders. These were usually men, but eventually women would become most of the yell leaders at schools and youth programs nationwide. Mascots were introduced, and those with calm and small mascots could bring them to a game. Bulldogs, goats, and similar are what I'm talking about. If you believe the legend, the first live mascot in Alabama could have been at Alabama Polytechnic Institute in 1892 when War Eagle One broke free from his trainer and circled the field during the game against the University of Georgia. Auburn began a steady march toward the end zone. The fans began yelling War Eagle to help their team to victory. Auburn won the game and the Eagle fell to the ground and died. Future War Eagles would appear in 1930 and then continually from 1960 until today where they circled the field at Jordan-Hare Stadium before a game. The University of North Alabama has had a live line on campus since 1973. A higher maintenance mascot than an Eagle for sure. Also a mascot you don't want circling the field before a game. Costume mascots are the preferred mascot and there's probably one at every university in Alabama if I had to guess. Auburn University introduced Aubie in 1979 based on a cartoon tiger that Birmingham Post-Herald artist Phil Neal created for Auburn program covers starting in 1959. The University of Alabama introduced its mascot in 1980. The student body chose the name Big Al. But I'm not here to talk about students roaming the sidelines in animal costumes or the cheerleading teams that are more athletes than yell leaders from the past. I'm here to talk about those regular fans who bought a ticket to the game, who in the spirit of University of Minnesota student Johnny Campbell, jumped their own fence to cheer their school on to victory. As a teenager growing up in Birmingham, I was lucky enough to attend a few classic University of Alabama football games at Legion Field. A friend's dad was a season ticket holder, and for some reason we got tickets. Never mind that I had every intention of attending Auburn when I graduated from high school. These were fun games and very much the spectacle you can imagine. 
I will never forget walking into the old gray lady from the Graymont Avenue side of the stadium. We walked through the gates and the stadium opened up before us. There was a sea of red and white. As I looked to my left, standing on the brick wall at the bottom of the section, stood a short man trying to lead a cheer. I remember him wearing a hat, a suit, and smoking a Tampa Nugget cigar. He seemed three sheets to the wind and the game hadn't even started yet. It was like seeing Bigfoot or an alien, something I'd heard about but never thought I would see in the wild. That man, the subject of this Alabama short story, is Shorty Price. William Ralph Price was born in 1921 in Louisville in Barber County. He grew to only five feet tall, which earned him the nickname Shorty. Two years older and living in the nearby community of Cleo was George Corley Wallace, future roommate and political nemesis. Shorty Price attended the University of Alabama Law School, which is when he lived with George Wallace. Price loved to run for political office in Alabama, running 13 times. He ran for governor in 1958, 1970, 1974, and 1978, and never captured more than 2% of the votes. He also ran for President of the United States in 1976, earning two votes. One vote was from Price and one from his wife. One of his campaign promises was to change the term limits of the governor's office to two years. In an interview about the governor with WSFA in Montgomery, he said, If he can't steal enough in two years to get by the rest of his life, he don't need to be there. He's too stupid. Others suggested that he wanted to change the tenure so he could run more often. In all campaigns he ran for, he did win once. He was a delegate to the 1952 Democratic National Convention. Price was a huge critic of Governor Wallace. Maybe he disagreed with Wallace's policies or was just jealous of what his former roommate had become. Price's slogan was, Shorty, Shorty, he's our man. George Wallace belongs in the garbage can. Another popular slogan was, Smoke Tampa Nugget cigars, drink Budweiser beer, and vote for Shorty Price. But come to think of it, why wouldn't Price run for governor of Alabama? He was from Barber County, which supplied the state with more governors than any other county. Governors John Shorter, William Jelks, B.B. Comer, Charles McDowell, Chauncey Sparks, George Wallace, and Jerry Beasley were all born in Barber County. Jerry Beasley served only a month following the assassination attempt of George Wallace in 1972. He may have loved running for political office, but he really loved Crimson Tide football. He proclaimed himself the head cheerleader for the University of Alabama. Shorty Price attended Alabama for two years in the early 1940s before being drafted in 1942. At the end of his service, Price returned to Alabama in 1947 to attend law school, but I don't believe he ever graduated. Graduate or not, he would be a fixture at Alabama football games for decades. A photo in the 1950 Corolla, Alabama's yearbook, shows a man in a black jacket, round bowler hat, and cane standing on a pedestal before the crowd, attempting to lead cheers. Doesn't say it's Shorty Price, but it sure does look like him from the back. As head cheerleader, his enthusiasm would often get him removed from games, if not arrested and taken to jail. Crimson Tide football staffer Gary White remembered him at games saying, I don't think that I ever recall a time that I didn't see him get escorted out. He would cause enough chaos that I would turn around and look and the police would be escorting him out. I'm not sure he ever saw a full game. One of his more memorable moments was at the 1979 Tennessee game at Legion Field. Standing in front of the Tennessee section, he dropped his pants to let the Tennessee fans know what he thought of them. 
he was swiftly arrested and escorted out of the stadium. He got backside exposure and plenty of media exposure, which I'm sure he appreciated. During his trial, Price said his pants accidentally fell due to his enthusiastic cheering. He was convicted of public drunkenness and disorderly conduct. After handing down the sentence, Judge William Cole said, See you next fall. Shorty Price wrote two books. His first book is called Alabama Politics, Tell It Like It Is. And more than likely, some of his campaigning for office was an excuse to sell his book. In 1980, he published his autobiography titled I Ain't Nothing But a Loser, a play on Coach Bryant's famous phrase, I Ain't Never Been Nothing But a Winner. Now, I entered Auburn University in the fall of 1981. Our last game of that season was on November 28th against Alabama. The game was special for Coach Paul Bear Bryant as it would be his 315th career win, a win that made Bryant the most winningest coach in college football history. The stadium was overflowing with fans wanting to see this milestone. The one missing person was Shorty Price. The year before, on November 1st, 1980, Shorty Price was headed home and was nine miles south of Montgomery on U.S. Highway 231 when his car left the road. No effort was made to correct the car's direction as it went downhill and through a ditch. Price was ejected from the vehicle and then it rolled on top of him. His son guessed he must have had a heart attack and was dead when the car left the highway. He had been trying to get home before the start of the Alabama-Mississippi State kickoff. Some wondered why he was not at the game to begin with. He was buried in a crimson and white double-knit leisure suit with his roll-tied bow tie. A Tampa Nugget cigar was in the pocket with a red carnation on his lapel. Coach Paul Bear Bryant sent red and white flowers. And former Governor George Wallace, his old political nemesis, attended the funeral. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Alabama Short Stories Podcast. You can continue to support the show by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you haven't subscribed, do it so you don't miss an episode. You can also support the show by purchasing the companion book, Alabama Short Stories Volume 1, featuring the first three seasons of the podcast. You can purchase it at Amazon.com, Bookshop.org, and other online bookstores. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on Alabama Short Stories.